All right, people, welcome back. He's coming in all the way from Perth, WA, which I believe is like a bit of a time difference and all that, all that good stuff. His name's Dave Gow. First time on the show. How are you, Dave? You well? I'm good, mate. I'm good. How are you? Yeah, yeah. Not too bad. Not too bad. For people who maybe haven't heard your name before, do you reckon you could give us a Cliff's Notes, I guess, of like who you are, what you do, et cetera? Sure. So I run the blog Strong Money Australia, mm. which has been running for maybe, I think it's about five and a half years at this point. And so that's essentially all about financial independence and helping people retire early. So I, I suppose the backstory to that is I'm, I'm just trying to pass on what I've learned. I started that blog after I left my job in my late 20s. So I just wanted to pass on the the principles that I followed and the things that I've learned over the years and try and break everything down in like a very easy to understand way. So like using simple language and no jargon and, you know, garbage like that. Because you, you read a lot of finance stuff and it's very jargony and it's, it's almost catered to professionals and it's not that, it's not really that useful for like mm. the everyday person. So I really wanted to just try and break everything down pretty, pretty simple. So um, yeah, that's, that's basically what my main, I suppose, focus is these days. And yeah, I quite enjoy writing and helping people. So it's, it's a good match. Yeah. Sick. Okay. So what got you in, what got you interested in before starting the blog? Like what got you interested in setting yourself up financially to not have to work if you, if you didn't want to? So that started in my probably late teens. I was probably 19 and I was at work and uh, had a bit of a realization <laughs> at the time we had I had a pretty bad boss I would say right. I could say some nasty things but he, he mm. wasn't it wasn't a very good person okay and so it made me question a lot of things it was actually it's actually a blessing in disguise essentially because it made me question why people put up with certain things at work and why uh, people were reluctant to essentially argue or or talk back to a a boss or management with that word bringing in new practices and things like making changes and stuff when they didn't know what the, that, that it was going to create problems, but nobody okay. wanted to say anything and stuff like that. So I started to question work and why we do what we do, why we act the way we do. And I realized that these people have no voice because they essentially have to have to just do whatever they're told and can't say anything because they're so reliant on their job to yeah. pay all of their bills for the rest of their life. And there's just no other no other option mm. for them so they they're essentially stuck they just have to accept whatever is given to them and that's about it so i just started feeling sick in my stomach thinking about having to do having to live like that for the next yeah. 40 years because I, I was 19 at the time 40 or 50 years and i just couldn't i just couldn't accept it so i started thinking mm. well i'm gonna have to do something different from everyone else to end up with a if i want a different outcome and i wanted a drastically yeah. different outcome i wanted to be able to choose whatever I did with my time, whether I worked or not, and just have that freedom at a, a much younger age than traditional retirement age. So that prompted me to start learning about personal finance and wealth and then went down a huge learning rabbit hole and yeah. became pretty became pretty obsessed with the idea of being able to leave work early and be able to choose choose what I do after that. And And sort of mapping that out, which we'll do in a second if you're happy to, were there any people in your life that you could at least have seen that they've done it, I can do it? Or was it sort of you, You because I, I meet people who like their family had wealth or their family had shown them how to do it. 
Do you get what I'm saying? Before they did it, like yeah. I had models from my family that helped me sort of understand how I can do it similar. Was that a same thing for you? No, it wasn't actually. I didn't have anyone where I where I knew them and they were wealthy or I, I didn't have a, a model to follow. I right, didn't have okay. anything like that. I just equated the idea of wealthy people having investments and them not having to work from that, just being able to do whatever they want. So I just knew, okay, I have to be in that position. So I'm going to have to learn about wealth. It was mostly books actually started reading, reading everything I could find about investing and compounding and, you know, putting money aside instead of just spending everything. And so it's it's really self-taught, really quite a long journey of, of self-learning. Okay. And so what do you think like, the first, obviously, like it was a bit of a rabbit hole for you. For you, what sort of books left a lasting impression on you? If you could list one or two that come to mind, mm, that's a good question. I would say, I would say, the Millionaire Next Door is a good one. Okay, because that was probably the first book I read where it it essentially showed. And I'm not sure if you're familiar with this. You probably are, but. For anyone who's not, it essentially was a, a very big study of millionaires in the US and it broke down it broke down essentially where those people came from, their backgrounds, their lifestyle decisions, what jobs they had, what cars they drove, how much income they made to be able to be become a millionaire. And essentially they found that a lot of the result came from not things you would think. So a lot of the millionaires didn't necessarily have super high incomes. They didn't they didn't live in like millionaire neighborhoods. They didn't drive big fancy cars. It was almost the opposite. It was like the quiet person that people didn't realize was actually doing very smart things with their money. So they were they were investing it. They were growing a business. They were um, driving a new-ish, but not a brand new car. They lived in mm-hmm. just a regular suburb, and they so they used their money more effectively. So they, I think they expected to find the opposite in that in that study, if I remember correctly, but they were quite surprised to find that the the average millionaire didn't live like you would expect and didn't have the same kind of the background and the income that you might expect to. Okay. Something I've learned myself, like I bought my first house uh, at the end of last year and to save for the deposit, I made some pretty drastic lifestyle changes because that's sort of where I've realized a lot of the money can be saved is just by like Mm -hmm. being really frugal. And I'm assuming that you might be able to speak to that too. Was that sort of something that you, I wonder, like, was there a huge change for you that you had to do from 19 and realizing like you wanted to change how your outcomes for the future were going to be? Was there a huge change in your lifestyle to sort of get to that point? Or were you already sort of okay with like living cheaper or being a bit more, I guess, conscientious about how you spend your money? So I wasn't I wasn't a big spender to start with, so that yeah. definitely helped. I di- I didn't start out like credit cards and car loans right. and doing all sorts of stuff like that. So I was in an in an okay position to start with. I I had money I had money kind of building up in my account, but it wasn't through effort. It was just through I just didn't spend it all for whatever <laughs> reason. I would okay. still waste it. We'd still go out drinking and waste yeah, a bunch yeah, of money yeah. and do just silly stuff. But I wasn't like, oh, I've got to save, got to save. But it wasn't until I started learning about personal finance and wealth that I started thinking, okay, now I've got a I've got a purpose to I've got something like important okay. to do with my money. I've got yeah. it's got a it's got a purpose now. It's got a home. I know what I'm gonna do with it. Cause before I didn't really didn't have any plan or anything like that. 
that gave me something to focus on that I was going to use my money for. And so almost immediately when I had this goal, spending it on various other things uh, that we could go into different lifestyle costs, that became like immediately less attractive because I knew, okay, I want to be in this position in the future that I'm imagining. The only way essentially that I'm going to be able to do that is if I build up a big pile of investments. And so the more I can the more I can save, the more I can invest. So the sooner I can get to my goal. So just naturally that happened. So to start with, I was living relatively cheaply, I would say already living in a share house with a bunch of other guys at the time, didn't have very much expenses. So that kind of helped quite a bit with the early days of the saving. So as you, as you rightly point out, like it's, if you've got a big goal, if you've got something that you want to achieve and if it's like buying a house or anything like that, it's very difficult to have the exact lifestyle you want while also make a lot of progress towards a goal that might be important to you, like a financial goal. It's just very hard to do both of those things at yeah. once. So a lot of times it's just a case of picking, choosing a priority and focusing on that because if you try and do both, you're probably not going to get much of the benefits of either. Mm. So I'd say it, it's really important to focus on on one thing and and go for that. Something I've noticed too, like speaking personally, when I, so I was living in Melbourne in a really cheap apartment during COVID because there was obviously that big drop off in rental prices over there. So I was in a small apartment in COVID during COVID and I got a couch from Ikea for a hundred bucks. It was a piece of shit and I got a free TV. And if I didn't get a TV, I was just going to use my laptop to watch movies. <laughs> like I wasn't yeah, yeah, going to yeah. do anything, you know, I was sleeping for a bit of it. I slept on a yoga mat with a bed sheet and a pillow because I just refused, yeah. <laughs> just refused to spend money out of principle because I wanted a house. You know what I mean? Well, and I, well yeah. it's interesting. I oh, sorry. I was just going to say, well, it's yeah. interesting because in the share house, we actually, a couple of the couches we had were like hard rubbish couches. Like, oh, that looks all right. Let's take yeah, that, yeah, take yeah. it back to the house. Yeah. yeah. So yeah, we did heaps of stuff like that because yeah. I, I don't know, it just makes sense, you know? I think, I don't know if it's a, I've only noticed it recently too, but like, I think guys just don't give a fuck as well. <laughs> I d- there's that, what is it? There's like this famous meme, right? Where there's... Yeah. There's a picture of like an empty room with the chair and like maybe yeah. a TV or a computer yeah. or something. And the guy's like, how good is my setup? And women are just like freaking out over yeah. it. It's like, how can you live yeah, like yeah, that? Yeah, and, they, yeah, and the yeah. guys are like, yeah, that looks pretty good. That looks yeah, pretty yeah, good. it's not fine. Yeah, like I, uh, yeah, it's a weird one, man. And I've no, I don't know if you can like, if you feel this way, but I became super frugal because I knew that's what I had to do to sort of get my foot in the door with the property. And that was sort of my overall goal for like three years. I was working towards it and I made so many drastic changes in how I lived my life and how I spent my money and what I valued doing with my time that now I just do those things naturally. And I sort of look back on how I used to use my time and how I used to waste my money. And I don't want to go back to it, even though I originally planned, like when I'm rich, I'll go back to that stuff. And I don't want to now. Do you know what I mean? I don't know yeah. if that's something you felt as well. Yeah. I hundred percent understand yeah. what you're talking about. Cause it's, it's funny. It's like, okay, well, I'll, I'll kind of forego these things now, focus on my goal. And then later I can have those things. But a lot of times what you thought, I was a bit like that too. Cause I had a more, I suppose plans for a more a more materially luxury life than I do now. Like I just thought of some of the other things of being wealthy, you know, having like a 
somewhere a nice house on the beach or like yeah. just all these other random things that people think of when you think of um wealth so i did have plans like that but what you find is and you sounds like you've found the same thing is that as you make these changes and as you start saving and investing and putting your money in places that you you've deemed are more important than your previous plans what you find is you're not actually less happy you're not actually like, oh, I'm so miserable. I can't wait till I can spend my money on whatever the, the previous yeah. plan was. I can't wait till I can do that again. So I think after you do that for a couple of years, especially whether it's lifestyle changes or whatever it is, you realize, huh, I actually feel the same. I don't feel like I'm missing out. I'm actually happy with what I'm doing right now. So like you said, why do I need to? I don't need mm. to do that do that other thing that I was going to do before. That doesn't make yeah. sense to me because what's happened is your your values have changed and your priorities have changed. Yeah. So you no longer value that old lifestyle that you did before. Mm. So it's really interesting how that changes over time. It's it's the opposite of what people think because people tend to think, oh, I'm going to be so miserable if I adopt this frugal lifestyle. And maybe initially that can be true, especially if it is drastic, if people are accustomed to like some, like some luxury lifestyle and then they cut that to cut that to zero essentially that's going to be a big shock to their system yeah so that can be take some getting used to but i wouldn't recommend such a drastic approach anyway i'd kind of no. recommend like the the baby steps approach and making small changes in different parts of your life and what you'll notice is well we've both realized that uh you can make those changes and three four five years later you're going to be like I feel like just as happy as before. Actually, mm. I think I'm happier because I'm I'm getting closer to this goal or I'm actually working and I'm I'm happy with the direction that my life's heading in. Because a lot of times when we have a an expensive lifestyle, a lot of that's just focused on like now, now, now. We're not really thinking about where our lives are heading. We're just like very short-term focused. But when you reorient your life a little bit and be, make it more like long-term focused around your priorities, you tend to... I think that tends to be a more satisfying way to live overall. I'm I'm at a point now where I sort of have some big goals for like two years out, four years out, five years out. I don't plan my day to day. And then I'm just sort of like, I don't know, like hustling to to plan my day out each day as it comes, which is not good either. So <laughs> I'm still trying to find that middle ground, I guess. But one thing I wanted to ask you, which is a bit off topic maybe, but your testament, I guess, to deciding early on that you need to, you want to do something other people have not done before or less people are inclined to do because you weren't happy with what your life was probably going to look like if you didn't change anything. Do you think that this part of like our history in 2023 is the easiest time for people to do that? with the amount of info that's out there and things like that? It definitely is in terms of information, like no mm. question. Because when I started, it was probably 2000 and 2008, something okay. like that. And so there wasn't any blogs, there wasn't any podcasts, there wasn't anything like the online world didn't really exist like it exists. It was just, it was very old school. There was, you know, a couple of magazines and some some good books that were yeah. out. But now there's like communities for everything and there's just okay. endless, endless content. So people are really spoiled for choice when it comes to education and learning about any, absolutely any topic that they want. So it's definitely never been easier in that regard, never been easier to access the right information. 
Mm. I suppose the downside of that is there's so much information. It can be hard to know where to begin. Mm. It can be hard to know how to disseminate the good information from the bad information. Like, is this person actually, do they know what they're talking about or not? Um, so that's the, I suppose that's the downside of all the information. But it's also easier in terms of maybe not so much in the last year or two because inflation's kind of thrown a spanner in the works. But yeah, it's the reason it's easier now, say in recent decades than 40, 50 years ago, is because despite what we hear on the news and other things that might be short-term focused and trying to paint the wrong picture is our incomes have actually increased faster than inflation for a very, very long time. So that's that's precisely the reason how we're able to live the lives that we live now. Like the lifestyles we live are so much fancier and so much more convenient and luxurious than people lived 50 years ago, 70 years ago. So I think it, it can pay to just stop for a minute and zoom out a bit and see how people used to live and see how we live now. And we can recognize how much how much kind of cruisier and how much nicer and sweeter things have become. And so it doesn't mm. feel like it because we've just we've got more income, but then we just find new things to spend it on. So we've always we're always left at the end of the week with zero dollars. So when you put the idea of the idea that we've got it better better to people, they find a hard a hard time having that sink in because it definitely doesn't feel like it because we just get accustomed to new things. And it's kind of like we were speaking about before how you you essentially just get accustomed to different lifestyle changes so you don't actually feel any different and you almost don't notice it over time different things creeping up especially lifestyle things so there's that famous famous term called lifestyle creep where your income goes up and you adjust your lifestyle upwards yeah. and so you're still left with no money despite earning more and more over time so it's it's quite quite prominent and it's it can be quite sad, really, because you you think you're doing better in ten years past, but you've you haven't actually got any more money. You haven't got any more wealth because yeah. you can just keep spending it on new things. So it, it can be a trap. Yeah, I get that. With I guess a big part of the show is all about the advice you would give like your younger self. Because I'm twenty fucking hell, I'm twenty six. Yeah, I'm twenty six, and <laughs> that's upsetting. I'm I'm twenty six, and. I figure that if I can just figure out all the ways that everybody has mis- has has messed up in their own life, if I feel like I'm getting close to those fuck ups, I can avoid them. Do you know what I mean? Like, I can mm. avoid so many mistakes in my own life just because I know, oh, okay, there's a warning sign that someone told me about that happened to them. So, if if you're happy to go with 25, like, if you could go back to that version of yourself and assuming he listened to what you had to say to him, like. What do you think you would tell that person? It's an interesting question. I probably wouldn't change that much, to be honest, right? from from my 25-year-old self. So I'll give you some more general overview stuff for a 25-year-old instead. Um, So the first thing I'd probably say is to not compare yourself to other people. So you might, like you might have heard that before and it can be a bit trite to say, but I just see everyone, like everyone says it, but everyone still does it. Like, oh, don't, yeah. don't compare yourself to other people, yeah. but everyone's still like, oh, my mate got a new car or this or that. So it's, I don't know, it's it's very tricky, but it's if you can get around that little thing in your brain that's telling you, oh, this person's doing this, you should do yeah. it too. If you can get around that and kind of switch that off or retrain yourself to think differently and focus on 
So I suppose the thing is like someone might do something like they might buy a new car, might buy a bigger house than you, but is that person going to be in 10 or 15 years where you want to be? Or are they just getting more upfront benefits now, but it's going to kind of put them in a bit of a trap or a bit of a a set of golden handcuffs because they'll be chained to their job. But if you make a few decisions now that aren't as, aren't as sexy and aren't as exciting, like getting the slightly older car, getting the slightly smaller house, Mm. having the slightly less fancy holidays, things like that, you can start building up investments. You can start building up savings so that in 10 years, your life is much, much cushier and much, much more secure and comfortable than that other person who made the more enticing short-term decisions at the cost of what they could build over the long term. So that's one thing. And I suppose, like we were saying before, even if you do have a plan to have a more materialistic lifestyle later on, because that is, you know, pretty attractive for most of us, it still actually makes sense to go the frugal route first so that you can build wealth. Because the thing is, if you choose the more expensive lifestyle now, you'll never have wealth. But if you choose the frugal lifestyle now, you'll have wealth later and so you can have both. Mm. But you can't, if you choose the easy option now, you'll have the hard option later for the rest of your life. So it's, Mm. I'll try and make decisions that benefit you over the long term rather than the short term, which can be tricky. So it it takes takes a bit of courage because you'll probably have to do things differently from how other people are doing them, especially your peers and and most others in society who are very short-term focused and they don't, don't think about where they'll be in 10 or 20 years. But if you've got the foresight to at least imagine, okay, this is how I want my life to be at least in 10, 20 years, it starts to make it much easier because you have a direction that you're going. You're not just thinking about today. So that can, that can make those choices much easier. This one might be a bit too deep. So if it is just fucking, I'll just edit it. It's okay. But based on what you've told me and based on, I guess, how I've come to understand what you've been through in your life and and strong money and stuff, humans tend to find things to be unhappy about no matter what lot in life we are, because it's another platitude or another cliche of like, money doesn't buy you happiness, rah, rah, rah. And obviously money can buy you some happiness. Rich people that I've met, still have problems like everyone else and they still can find ways to be unhappy about things but the things they're unhappy about are maybe problems that other people don't like do you find yourself you still have struggles like anyone else would even though you maybe don't have that same financial I guess barrier that's holding you back anymore does that make sense it does make sense it's a good question too and it's a good topic to bring up you will definitely experience, regardless of whatever your financial situation is, you will ex- still experience the full range of human emotions. There's no yeah. like, there's no escaping that. So you'll still have days where you're like grumpy and you don't know why, or there'll mm. still be days where you don't feel like doing anything, or you're just like three or four things that are annoying you and you can't seem to kind of shake that mood away. Yeah. So it just it still happens, man. There's no kind of escaping it. I think it's just part of human nature, but. Your problems probably just change. The mind does tend to have, it does tend to gravitate towards things that are, it does tend to look for things to be annoyed about, like Mm. regardless. So I think it's more of mental training and habits than anything else. Like 
you can notice like if I look at the sky right now, there's beautiful parts of it that are blue, but there's other parts that are cloudy and don't look that good. So it depends what you choose to focus on at any point in time. So that's, mm. you can do that whether you've got money or whether you've, whether you don't have anything. So it's, it's what you focus on. I think that's, that is inescapable, whether like whatever your situation is. For young people listening, because most of the people that do listen are my age or a little older, do you reckon you could give them, I guess, your reasoning for why people listening should consider investing if they're not doing it already. Yeah, they should definitely invest. That's that's for sure. I think we can agree on that. As for the reasons, that'll probably depend on the individual. But for me, the main reason was for freedom so that the more, you know, I was never going to be able to have control over my life and choose whether I work or not and, be in the position I wanted to be in if I didn't have investments. It just was not going to be possible. So investments give you more control over your situation. They give you more choices in life, essentially just just more options, just more options. It's it's mm. very simple. I mean, some people like the security aspect of investments and having wealth. Some people like the, the freedom aspect. But I think one thing that's underappreciated is if you, even if you don't, have like a large amount of wealth even just the first couple of years of having a good financial cushion having good good habits and building some investments just gives you so much confidence because you no longer worry about oh what happens if i lose my job yeah. because you know you'll be fine you no longer worry about oh what happens if the car breaks down oh i need i need to move house i need to get a new fridge i need to do this I need to do that because once you've got even just a small amount of wealth, so many of life's problems become just like little flies that you can just swat away. Um, so life life becomes a lot easier even without a lot of wealth, just just with a small pot of investments. So I would say that don't underestimate the the confidence and the peace of mind that that investments can give you. Mm, okay. Last question before we get out of here: Why is the East Coast sleeping on Perth? <laughs> Are you talking about real estate? No, just just life. Like everyone I've met in Perth is like you, super chill, man. <laughs> like they just <laughs> seem relaxed and like they've got a positive okay. attitude. Like I used to, in another life, I worked in at a prison and the trainers of the prison who trained me to be a guard were from a prison in Perth. And they were just like so much crazy shit happened at that prison and they just approached it like you are doing right now with a smile and it's just everyone i've ever met from perth has your uh temperament and i don't understand why so explain it to me <laughs> wow that's that's interesting actually yeah. i have heard other things like that from people that have visited yeah. perth interesting point i'm not actually yeah. from perth right, so maybe okay. i've I don't know. I'm from country Victoria. Okay. So I I don't know if I brought that with me. I'd say I'd say I probably did bring that okay. with me. But yeah, Perth is known for having a relaxed vibe and yeah. pretty chilled out lifestyle. And no one that doesn't seem like we take too much um don't take things too seriously. So I don't know if it's just because we're a smaller city. Mm. So we're not as not as like hustle bustle uh and all the rest of it. So I'm not sure if that's what it is. Or we have less, 
maybe we're less businessy and more lifestyle oriented because I, I know people do come from the east coast come over here for a bit of a quieter life where they can still get a like decent job without having to put up with a lot of the the crazy hustle bustle of of sydney and melbourne so that could be part of it too i'm not sure if it's a, i'm not sure if it's a uh a wa thing entirely mm. i think um I think some other states are also known for being pretty pretty chilled. Yeah, probably. Look, I haven't spent a lot of time in Queensland, but I hear a similar thing up there too. Yeah, um, but I've I'm heard New- that too. Yeah, yeah, I'm from Newcastle originally. Grew up on like New South Wales origin, so it's even it's rude to be too respectful to Queenslanders. It's in my blood. <laughs> um, do you mind just letting people know? you know, how they can get in touch with you if they want to, or how they can check out uh, Strong Money, and, and then we'll get out of here. Sure. So they can go to the website, which is strongmoneyaustralia.com. There's also a Facebook page, Strong Money Australia, and I'm on Twitter at Strong Money Oz, so A-U-S. Um, and that's about it. Easy, easy. Thank you so much, dude. I really appreciate you coming on. Thanks for having a chat with me. I really appreciate it. No worries. Thanks for having me.